Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Seed World Innovation Series webinar. Uh, my name is Alex Martin, and I serve as the editor for Seed World, and today I'm happy to be your host. Uh, today's theme is growth and change in Puerto Rico. I'd like to take a minute to thank the Illinois Crop Improvement Association for partnering with us on this Innovation Series webinar. And we have a good lineup of speakers for you this morning. Uh, presenting the webinar today is Doug Miller and Lisandro Perez. Um, our first speaker of the day is going to be Doug Miller. Doug is a graduate from Eastern Illinois University and Kansas State University with degrees in botany and plant pathology. Doug has been with Illinois Crop for over 20 years, serving in several roles before becoming CEO in 2013. Doug has worked closely with developers and licensees and currently serves on the Seed Science Foundation and as Vice President of AOSCA. And then our second speaker of the day is Lisandro Perez. Uh, Lisandro is a graduate of the University of Puerto Rico at Mayaguez and is a licensed agronomist. He has been station manager for over 20 years and has worked for ASGRO and is active in the local seed industry organization, now known as the Puerto Rico Agricultural Biotechnology Association, or PRABIA for short. Um, during this presentation, you're likely going to have some questions for our speakers. Uh, please type these into the chat box at any time during the webinar, and we'll be happy to address them during the Q&A session we'll hold after each speaker finishes their presentation. Also, we're going to have a few poll questions for you throughout the presentation. These will pop up on your in your chat box, so you, that way you know where to look for them. Um, we'd also like to let you know that today's webinar is being recorded and will be made available at seedworld.com following the proceedings. We'll also be sending out an email to all of you with the link for the webinar. Um, since the mid-1980s, Puerto Rico has served as a winter location for plant breeders and seed producers. Its warm climate and rich soils have helped accelerate the development of new hybrids and varieties, um, and today, our speakers are going to be teaching us about regulatory information for Puerto Rico, crops and production practices, as well as how the Illinois Crop Improvement Association fits into this equation. Um, and with that, Doug, uh, thank you so much for joining us today and go ahead and take it away. All right. Thank you. Uh, welcome, everyone. This is Illinois Crop's first webinar with Seed World. Uh, it is designed for everyone, but it is intended for those who uh, may not be aware of the uh, Puerto Rico's role, uh, current and future in the uh, seed industry. So with that, I'm gonna hand it off to Lisandro. He's going to start us on a tour of our farm with the uh, production practices that uh, we use. So, uh, thanks Doug. So I'm gonna start with a regulatory overview. Um, so the government of Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of the United States since 1952. The agency that regulate our operations are the Puerto Rico Department of Agriculture, Puerto Rico Department of Labor and Human Resources, uh, state plan regulatory officials, uh, state plan health director, also BRS that stands for Biotech Regulatory Services is the 
the agency that issues uh, the movement and release permits. Also, we got the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. That is the agency that provides uh, us with the experimental use permits. Um, about the typical seed movement, um, this involves inspection inbound and outbound. Phytos are required to send seed to Puerto Rico. If you are in the United States, a, a state phyto um, is, um, is okay. But if you are outside United States, uh, you will need an official national authority phyto. Um, for sending new crops uh, to Puerto Rico, we have to check first with the Puerto Rico Department of, of Agriculture. Um, also, approval for regulated articles uh, is obtained by the customer, but we provide the site details. Uh, about rules and export requirement, uh, we provide with shipping assistant, uh, inventory, copy of the permits, uh, commercial invoice, uh, files, or any other requested document. Um, uh, recommended straight forwarded for seed are Federal Express, Proact Logistics, and Stevens Global. Um, also, I just want to um, uh, give you an industry overview. Uh, I'll let you know that Illinois Crop is an active Pravia member. The Pravia um, means is Puerto Rico. Agricultural Biotechnology Industry Association. And the main purpose is to ensure our industry permanency, growth, continuity, competitiveness, and to strengthen our freedom to operate within the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. So as, uh, as a member of Pravia, we got the following um, allies, which are the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, known as BIO, Crop Life America, we got Agricultural Reform and Action, which is a local farmers association. Also, next is uh, Industry University Research Centers Inc., known as Indonesia. We got the Puerto Rico Agronomist Association, um, Biotech Now, the University of Puerto Rico, Mayagüez Campus, the Pontifical Catholic University of Puerto Rico. Impulsive. Um, next, Doc, we will talk regarding seed certification and related services that are administered from Illinois. Illinois Crop Improvement has a long history of uh, seed certification. Uh, we are a member of AOSCA, and that is the Asso Association of Official Seed Certifying Agencies. So we offer um, seed certification services uh, throughout the island of Puerto Rico. Uh, those are primarily administered from Illinois. Along those lines, uh, inspections that we also are accredited for would be uh, national seed health inspections for uh, phytosanitary purposes, uh, corn, soybean, cotton, and a few other crops that uh, are important to us uh, at our farm and are important uh, in Puerto Rico. We also have a uh, nursery certification through the Department of Agriculture in Puerto Rico to help move seed uh, more efficiently. Uh, we do have staff who uh, support us with the stewardship and logistics, as uh, Lozandro has already mentioned. And a little bit more about the farm is that um, it did start, uh, the primary driver being uh, seed certification with um, a quarter acre of uh, corn grow outs. 
So that was uh, placed uh, in Puerto Rico to help meet the post control requirements under the OECD feed schemes and uh, other programs. And um, the uh, industry saw the value in that, uh, enabled being able to have grow outs uh, during the winter uh, prior to the planting season. And then, of course, corn nurseries naturally followed. Um, we were able to get breeders more generations per year. Uh, it offered more flexibility and uh, time uh, to get things in the ground relative to temperate locations. So the tropical environment of Puerto Rico allowed breeders to get more generations per year, multiple cycles in some crops. And uh, we've grown and expanded into peanut, soybean, and other crops. So. With that, I will turn it back to Lisandro for uh, more information on Puerto Rico. Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the next next slide is, is about location of the farm and soils of Puerto Rico. Uh, this is a slide of the soil orders of Puerto Rico. So I just want to talk a bit about the the um, Iceland. On the center of the island, we got the mountainous interior. Um, by the north side is what is called the Kars region. Around the island, we got the coastal lowland. But our farm is located um, south coast Juanadillas near Ponce. This is a semi-arid uh, coastal plains. And over the, over the course of, of the year, Temperature typically varies from goes from 67 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, average rainfall for the area is 25 inches per year. Uh, soil types uh, at the farm are sandy loam, and the, the entire island is under uh, a tropical environment. So um, about the crops and production practices. Here's a picture of our land preparation. Uh, we use uh, raised beds and drip irrigation system. We also have suitable tillage equipment that removes much of the variability in the ground, uh, reduce low spot, and provides a uniform start for growouts, nursery, acid increases service. Um, on the following there's a dry diagram that this is how uh, we this is our planting setup so like I mentioned we use raised beds uh, the top of, of each bed is 36 inches wide and uh, we plant two rows per bed that are 20 inches apart uh, from center of one bed to the center of the next one uh, are six feet and we use, uh, before bedding the field, we use a line plane to level the ground. Also, while bedding, uh, we put a granular fertilizer uh, banded. Uh, during the growing season, uh, we do uh, fertigation, depending on the crops, could be one, two, three. Also, we do foliar application if needed. Um, so, um, the, the farm is irrigated by, by groundwater, uh, through a system of valve, lay flat and drip tape. Um, 
as was shown in the in the respite diagram, the drip tape is placed between rows. Um, on this slide, it's a that's a, our pump house with our filtration system. Uh, with these production practices, uh, we grow a wide range of crops that dog will expand uh, on. Okay, thank you, Lisandro. So uh, we now grow a wide range of crops, uh, including some that may not jump to mind immediately. Um, I'll refrain from reading all of them to you, but uh, we do quite a bit of corn, uh, soybean, sorghum, uh, sunflower, uh, and other crops. Um, we've also tried some crops that do not work in Puerto Rico. The most recent experiment was uh, chickpea, and uh, that most recent trial showed the disease was probably likely to prevent chickpea from being added to our uh, list of crops. But again, the advantages of the tropical environment are to um, you know, gain more generations per year, uh, a little bit less uh, of a tight timeline than with uh, temperate regions in the sub southern hemisphere. And again, just getting more generations per year for soybean and other crops, um, as many as three generations per year, uh, depending on the crop. So uh, next, um, We'll give you a little tour of the, of the farm. Uh, both breeders and grow out readers like the space of the uh, twin row system and what uh, it allows you to see, um, especially with the taller crops such as uh, sorghum, corn, and sunflower. Uh, it has its advantages. It does have a disadvantage in the uneven footing, uh, but it is a nice system uh, of operating and both from the uh, grow out reading and from a breeding standpoint. Um, in some cases, such as peanut, uh, the material will want to spread across the bed as shown here. Uh, wild type soybeans and other crops that like to spread do take advantage of this planting method. Um, and while not shown, uh, we have modified our planting system to accommodate uh, some widely spaced single rows, uh, primarily in sunflower. While we machine plant as uh, many things as possible, uh, hand planting is still a big part of our services. Uh, plot lengths range from three feet, uh, that would be hand planted, to seven, 14, and 28 feet to a continuous tenth of an acre plot, uh, as well as solid increases. So roughly that converts to uh, one meter rows, two meter, four meter, eight and a half meter rows uh, that we offer as part of our routine services. So here we're gonna start um, a brief tour of the plot uniformity and seed quality we can achieve. Uh, soybean is a big part of our program. Uh, again, multiple generations per year. Uh, for soybean, we can achieve uh, as many as three generations per year and offer continuous programs for uh, breeders that want to take advantage of that. Most common being starting with a crossing block and eventually uh, returning uh, F4 seed. So uh, another crop that's relatively new to the uh, farm would be mung bean along with azuki bean. Uh, those are two of the more recent ones uh, we do offer sorghum growouts, but most of our sorghum experience comes from uh, nurseries and increases. So more recently, we've been seeing uh, more sorghum growouts coming uh, to the farm. Uh, sunflower is a big part of, uh, of our program, and uh, it's an excellent crop for Puerto Rico. Our staff have experience with pollinations, uh, pollination techniques, um, storing pollen, uh, and getting the most uh, out of sunflower. Um, we've had uh, very large sunflower nurseries, as large as 14 acres uh, for a single nursery. Uh, we've also uh, offered some other specialized and custom services. Uh, this is um, a custom design grow out for a confectionery type uh, sunflower. And uh, you can see the large uh, 
large seed that we can get from uh, uh, wider rows row setups. So uh, one of the things you may not think of when you think of Puerto Rico would be uh, spring grains. Uh, we can add another generation for uh, breeders working with uh, spring wheat, rye, and uh, oat. Um, we also offer services for uh, dry beans. And again, we can get several gen generations per year and uh, help accelerate uh, new genetics and uh, new technologies to market. So with that, I'll turn it back over to Lisandro and he can talk more about our standard production practice. Okay. Thank, thanks, Doug. Um, so um, about, about harvest, uh, depending on, on the material and client's instruction, seed is uh, mechanically harvested or hand harvested. Uh, the farm has a uh, plot treacher, single plant treachers, and other equipment depending on the on the breeding plant. Um, also, we are equipped to treach uh, at the field or at our building facilities. About, about drying, um, we got uh, what's usually called, I mean, peanut wagons for 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 drying. So the so the harvested material can dry prior to threshing. We also have a traditional drying system for ear comb um, other crops, like you see on, on this slide. We're using a peanut wagon for drying. Those are I mean, cowpeas, I mean plots that are almost ready for for threshing. Um, I'm going to uh, talk a bit uh, about pest control, uh, but pest control is a, is a topic of, uh, of its own, especially being in a, in a tropical environment. Control measures range from cultural to chemical, physical to biological. Uh, at the top right of the screen, is a netting place to prevent bird damage uh, to emerging seedlings. Parasitic nematodes uh, are also used for army work control. Uh, seed living the Iceland is inspected by USDA aphids and must be free of soils and insects. And each crop uh, has its own procedure and internal requirement. Like an example, we got for peanuts that has to be actually washed with water uh, to make sure we can remove all the all the dirt before it can be shipped uh, to the to United States. Um, also, there's some crops that cannot be shipped in pots, and corn and sorghum uh, has to be fumigated before uh, seed shipment. Um, also, on the you can see on the on the slide. That's uh, one of our sprayers. Um, so this is a, a tour of, of our farm, um, our basic uh, production practices that we follow. Okay, thank you, Lisandro. Um, next, I'd just like to talk about um, what we uh, deliver to the uh, customer. So we have two main deliverables. Uh, the way I like to think of it is data and seed. So from Grow Outs and Research, we can uh, offer data data on quality, data to expand your knowledge, uh, data to improve um, your products. So with, with that, we also offer seed, um, seed and data from nurseries uh, or increases, and uh, seed ranging from F1 seed, a brand new combination of genetic, genetics, 
to small-scale production of seed products about to enter the marketplace. So understanding our core mission, you know, helps us to deliver what our customers need. Uh, if you need seed or data, please reach out to us uh, to discuss the deliverables. So with that, I'll ask Lizandra to talk about some of the challenge, the changes that we've uh, made to help improve uh, those deliverables. Doug, would you mind continuing for us for a second while we wait for him to, to hop back on? Sure. We have invested in improving the uniformity of our grow-outs and uh, the uniformity of the, the uh, services that we offer. Uh, we've done some significant changes in land preparation and planting practices that have improved our results. Here you have some sunflower grow-outs, and if you look really close, you can see one of the tall uglies uh, that... Uh, was actually the intended subject of that photo, but it also demonstrates uh, the uniformity of the uh, plot throughout. So um, we've offered these or we've made these changes to better serve our clients. And um, um, we uh, have also been able to uh, work with our clients and with the help of our clients, we can handle a wide range of maturities and soybeans. So uh, from zeros to uh, group nines, uh, we can use lights to uh, successfully cross, and of course, we can produce more seed with lights, um, especially with F1s, and uh, we can do all this within a predictable window of about 120 to 140 days. Um, that would allow us to uh, consistently deliver three generations per year uh, on continuous programs, and uh, we learned quite a bit from our trade integration services, and uh, we do have a trade integration supervisor uh, at the farm. So we also, along with those trade integration serv uh, services, we've learned quite a bit about uh, tissue sampling. Uh, it's a routine service for us now. We offer lyophilization as well as other capabilities uh, to better serve our clients, uh, breeders, and even grow out customers. Occasionally, uh, we'll have a call for tissue sampling. And uh, we've seen a broad range of experience, or we have a broad range of experience um, and a, lo a lot of different methods, um, materials, uh, laboratories here, we have uh, FTA cards um, that will be sent to a laboratory. We also have experience with a wide range of tools and plastics. And of course, the uh, molecular techniques have uh, dramatically changed the way we do business and the uh, volume of work that we do. But yet we need uh, still need to do those phenotypic evaluations and we still need to grow plants and we still need to to produce seeds. So um, this is just something that uh, enhances our services, which brings me to uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, early in my career, uh, I was at a professional meeting and was walking up to someone and then, and they made the statement that we've got to get this industry off of grow-outs. Um, looking back at it, it, I think it was purposefully said it was a mini marketing plan. Um, 20 years later, here we are still doing grow-outs. Um, I think a seed was planted in my mind that day that uh, um, it just resulted in the belief that uh, old tests never die. They simply find their place. Uh, alternatively, uh, new tests never dominate. They simply find their price point. Um, we're always interested in Illinois crop improvement in Puerto Rico and in Illinois uh, in new ways. But the balance uh, between statistics and technology is the challenge. Uh, that we seem to continue to face uh, when it comes to grow out versus molecular techniques. So outside of the fact that you can see what your customer will see, uh, the number of seed tested continues to be the uh, biggest difference between uh, grow outs and uh, molecular techniques. Um, so you can ask yourself the question, how do I evaluate 10,000 plants to find out if I have talls, wild types, or other appearance issues? 
you know, at a price point that fits the production budget and final price of the seed. Uh, so we need a process and a way to measure the process. They go hand in hand, phenotype and genotype. So uh, we still need to grow plants uh, to see what's in the bag for seed producers and to help seed developers make the leap from lab to nursery uh, to production. And again, knowing what the farmer will see in the field uh, from that bag of seed. So uh, with that, uh, just a little bit about overcoming challenges. Uh, as with any uh, worthwhile endeavors, there is a level of risk. Uh, the challenge of all winter or counter season locations is that it's not home. It's not its home environment. Uh, we've seen maturity differences of weeks in materials. And we were thankful that the breeder was able to see that for themselves because they would not have believed it uh, based on their experience in their home environment. Uh, there is pest pressure. Uh, there's pests that are common between the home environment and the tropical environment. There are unique pests to the tropical environment. Uh, there are susceptible materials, resistant materials, and most of what we see are unknown genetics and materials uh, that we have not seen. Uh, every year is a new year. Every season is a new year. And where there's no winter, uh, we have the continuous year. But there, that is the advantage, that it is a continuous year, continuous growing season. We have the ability to uh, accelerate um, products, uh, get technology to market faster, but uh, it does have its risks. As you can see, uh, we can have uh, good results and then some not so good results. Um, on the right is some uh, corn that uh, did not react well with the environment. And um, we've seen this and uh, worse. Uh, in the tropics, just to be transparent and uh, let everyone know that it is it is a challenge at times uh, working in the tropics. So um, the farm owes its existence um, to the fact that seed producers, uh, breeders, and researchers have a need for more information, another generation, more seed, or new research. So we grow and change with the industry, not for the sake of change. Uh, the changes we have made uh, may seem subtle, but uh, backup systems, backstops, uh, those kinds of things have saved nurseries, grow-outs, and plots. Um, they've gotten us through the hurricane. Uh, they're getting us through the uh, earthquakes. They're getting us through the uh, COVID-19 situation as well. Uh, without them, we would not be here. But in reality, we count on uh, people. And uh, regardless of the technology, strategy, or change in the industry, the best way to overcome challenges and implement real change is through people, their experience, their expertise. Uh, for an independent entity with no seed, no germplasm, no seed sales, no other source of funding uh, other than the fees we charge, we count on people. So the growth we strive for is in people. And again, their experience, knowledge, and expertise. And I'm proud to say we have a team that recognizes the purpose of a winter farm. I'm proud of how they're willing to grow and change. Um, we have um, the people for growth and change. And I hope uh, those of you today that are listening and uh, have joined us will join us in this regard in helping us uh, gain more knowledge and uh, more expertise and uh, keeping Puerto Rico as a, a valued resource uh, for the seed industry. Uh, without the people, none of this uh, is possible. Well, this is pretty much wraps up our webinar. Again, we offer uh, two main products, uh, data and seed, and uh, data from the grow-outs and uh, research that we do. Um, one of the newer crops that we've added uh, includes tobacco. Uh, it's not grown as uh, something that's a smokable. Uh, it is grown as a model crop 
that's being used by researchers um, looking at uh, different uh, physiological uh, changes and uh, research that's being done, um, very basic research that's being done to help improve uh, crops uh, across the board uh, and in general. So uh, with that, I will um, turn it back over to Alex and uh, let her wrap up the uh, webinar. So thank you everyone for joining today. Perfect. Thank you so much, Doug. If you don't mind, Doug, we'd love to have a short Q&A session with you. Uh, we have a couple of questions that came in uh, while you were you and Lysandra were, were presenting. If you don't mind sticking around to, to answer a couple of them. Um, Absolutely. The, thank you so much. Um, the, the first question we had today is, um, in Puerto Rico, what are some of the types of machines that you're using for, for harvest and for seeding uh, on uh, your, your farm there? Uh, we've got some uh, small plot combines, Elmeco uh, combines, uh, some what I would term as uh, bundle threshers or plot threshers that are uh, designed to uh, take some of the, well, we'll harvest the rows uh, individually. Uh, so we've got short rows and long rows, uh, 14 feet, 28 feet that we can put through plot threshers. And then typically uh, when we're coming out of uh, smaller nurseries and things like that, uh, we may have single plant threshers, uh, belt threshers. We may... Uh, We've got some equipment for shelling um, and then uh, just got some small equipment for uh, sunflower as well. And we're always interested in finding out um, if there's a additional equipment available. And we also do house um, clients equipment uh, on the farm. And uh, when it's um, needed, then uh, we allow the customers to either work their own or we assign a crew to them to uh, harvest um, uh, their materials. Perfect. Thank you so much. This next one's a little bit more technical, but someone asked, um, how do you improve the, the storage condition of maize? Um, specifically, they want to know how you keep it away from fungal infestation. Um, as far as storage goes, and I think maybe the fungal infestation um, is something that, um, you know, with proper, proper um, production techniques and proper drying and uh, making sure that we use uh, a good shipping service that doesn't uh, have things sitting around, things like that. That Our number one recommendation to customers is to not just set it aside and, and open it up and go through and inventory everything later. Uh, as soon as you receive anything from Puerto Rico, you should be going through it, looking at, did it come through um, uh, in good condition as far as moisture? Uh, any insect issues that may be able to uh, uh, be overcome uh, if there's something going on that uh, we're not aware of at, at the time of shipping. Uh, for things that stay at the farm and are continuous, we do have cold rooms uh, that we use to uh, store seed. And um, But otherwise, uh, we are looking at on corn, more of a prescriptive program, uh, trying to keep ahead of those things and uh, trying to, to stay ahead of, of those. And of course, one of the big things and one of the ch challenges that we face is the um, seeing material for the first time and possibly the last time. So we see a lot of genetic material, uh, a lot of variability, um, things that we're not necessarily um, uh, aware of, of what its susceptibilities are, uh, if it has any kind of resistance present. Uh, when we can see differences down to the row, that's when we kind of lean towards more is it, is it a genetic issue or is it a management issue? So, Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, another person asked is, um, 
Is MCMV or other viruses a big problem in Puerto Rico? Do you see that often? Um, or maybe maybe in general, maybe the, the bigger question is just what are some of the, the pathogens you, you have issues with in Puerto Rico? Um, in Puerto Rico, as long as we can control the vectors, uh, most of the viruses are, um, we can keep those at bay. Uh, we do cooperate with the uh, University of Puerto Rico Plant Clinic. Um, they are the ones that do the uh, diagnosis. They are the land grant. University of Puerto Rico is a land grant university that offers the uh, diagnostic services for any samples that we pull. Um, we do see some viruses, but again, it, it's primarily about the vector and, and that um, when we can control the vector, uh, we can uh, help prevent the spread of any viruses. Uh, fungal and uh, bacterial issues, um, we do see some uh, bacterial issues, but I would say far and away, our, our biggest challenge is fungal. And with the humidity and the heat, um, we have to look towards fungicides uh, as well as cultural practices. Uh, we do husk back on corn, trying to open up that ear, uh, get it to dry out. Um, as few as 14 days after pollination, we can be doing husk back and uh, opening up that ear in order to uh, keep that moisture at bay. Um, the tighter the husk on, on some of these, the better. Um, as far as uh, insects vectoring uh, fungal pathogens into the ear, uh, we do also do ear injections. That's a uh, fungicide insecticide uh, mix uh, that we uh, inject into ears um, uh, three times on anything that we grow to maturity. So uh, it's, it's a fairly complex and um, intense management system on uh, keeping diseases at bay, but uh, uh, I think I hope that answers the question. But uh, as far as viral diseases, those are not the ones that jump to mind first. Uh, the ones that jump to mind first for me are, are fungal. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Doug. Um, another question we had are, what are some major issues you see for growing healthy soybeans that um, that might limit seed return? Uh, for that, um, you know, the, the shorter the maturity, the uh, closer they tend to flower to the ground and, and set less pods. So for dealing with um, unique materials, F1s or small amounts of seed, putting those under light will um, uh, improve the uh, yield on soybeans. So you can almost double the yield you would get uh, when you put uh, lights on it. And depending on the maturity, uh, we have different lighting regimes um, that we use. Uh, another one is that uh, if the material is susceptible to carlovirus, um, that is something that uh, is vectored by the white fly. And North American materials, um, relatively speaking, seem to be susceptible. Um, if it's uh, the most susceptible variety we've ever seen that we know, knew the name of, a uh, fairly old variety, but anything that um, has to do with Maverick uh, can be, uh, the soybean variety known as Maverick uh, can be very susceptible to white flies or uh, to carlovirus uh, vectored by the white fly. So our solution to that is typically to put uh, the nursery under netting and uh, we have hoop houses and uh, we have found that we can be successful under that. But uh, of course it takes um, at least one time in Puerto Rico or uh, prior knowledge uh, to know that the material is susceptible uh, to carlovirus and um, that sometimes is, is, a, is a challenge. So uh, again, we get back to that risk of uh, operating in a tropical environment and balancing that risk with uh, the uh, multiple generations that you can get and the speed of turnaround 
and the ability to um, plant later into the season and still be able to get seed back in time for uh, planting in the Midwest. Perfect. Thank you so much, Doug. So the next question I wanted to ask everyone is just, um, it's it's pretty easy. Do you have any cucurbits? Um, and there's a second part of the question, but I'm going to wait to see if that is something you're growing on your farm currently in Puerto Rico. I'll have to turn that over to Lisandro. Um, I'm not sure if we've ever done any cucurbits or tried any cucurbits. Um, um, uh, actually, a a few years ago, uh, we we did a trial, but it was a small trial of uh, like a cucurbit grow out. Uh, so so the answer is, is, is yes, we we have done it, but just a, a, a small trial. And cucurbits can be planted at the farm. Perfect. Uh, the second part of that question, so I guess this would be specifically your knowledge from from this trial is. Um, did you experience any high um, CGMMV or GSB or any other kind of pathogen press pressure in uh, Puerto Rico with those cucurbits? Um, so, so yeah, the answer the answer is is yes because that's a crop that farmers I mean grow locally. So, so yes, uh, usually what they are growing, you have to be variety, I mean, resistant uh, or tolerant varieties. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, another question we kind of received is um, a bit more on the regulatory side, which I don't think was covered very much in the webinar. But um, in Puerto Rico, they ask with regards to um, regulatory growing things or GMOs, is there a general population of people who protest growing these uh, regula regulated material like GMOs? I know there is uh, some protest. Um, I, I'm kind of on the fringe of of that. And I think Lisandro may be able to answer that a little bit better. Um, and I know that um, much of it is geared towards the multinationals and uh, that there's there's a certain day where they have uh, some protests uh, against uh, GMOs. But I'll let Lisandro answer a little bit more about that from his perspective, being on the island and actually maybe having seen uh, some of those protests. Um, yes, uh, there, there are. But when we compare with, with all other countries, um, so far in Puerto Rico, it is a small group. Uh, like Doug mentioned that, uh, well, usually by, by May, they were doing one on the protest. But this year, due to the um, COVID situation, they haven't done it. But it's, it's a small group. Uh, looks like that group is, is, is not growing. So the, the movement, yeah, we, we don't have a big movement I mean, against um, and GMOs in Puerto Rico. Perfect. Thank you to both of you. Um, our next question is, uh, how are the impacts of insect pollinators limited to ensure a high level of self-pollination and limiting outcrossing? Well, depending on the crop, uh, if you look at the final slide that we have up, and I'm not sure, I think that that's still up for everyone, but uh, top center is... Uh, where we're using uh, bees um, for a uh, uh, sunflower project. Um, so we limit the uh, 
uh, insect movement uh, with hoop houses and netting. Uh, in other cases, if we're talking uh, about other crops and uh, outcrossing, uh, primarily uh, through insect control um, with some of the programs that we have and, and the routine uh, spraying that goes on in Puerto Rico, we do uh, limit the amount of uh, the movement of pollinators uh, in that manner uh, for uh, beans and other, other crops. But uh, typically, um, we do like to use um, spatial isolation and uh, temporal isolation. So um, we will space things out uh, 30 days and uh, every 30 days we may be planting something just simply to uh, give it um, uh, time isolation. Perfect. Thank you so much, Doug. We actually just have one last question, and then I want to do a quick circle back around to see if Lisandro has any final comments. Uh, but our last question of the day is, uh, what is the value and input of the University of Puerto Rico for the winter nurseries, aka they said like research stations and other resources, students and researchers in particular? That's kind of what they're thinking. Um, well, uh, most of the um agronomists uh, employees by the seed companies in puerto rico uh were students from the university of puerto rico um so uh, some of the, the good labor that, that that we got and good administration i mean came from from university of puerto rico also there, there are some agreements with, you know, with the university some mous to i mean cooperate with the university that, that way we got um access at some of the university i mean research um so uh, yes i think there's there's a, a good um, communication and primo this is being done by by pravia is the one is establishing those relationships with the university of puerto rico and also with, with a private university that is the catholic university at Ponce. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lisandro. Well, like I said, that was the last question of the day, but Lisandro, I, I know we lost you there for a few minutes. So do you have any final thoughts that you wanna you wanna give for us on, on our presentation? So so pretty much yeah. Now uh, I just want to add uh, the so we, we got good good relationship with we the community or act professional on, on the island. Um also with our customer uh we have neighboring farms and also being part of of pravia it's it help us uh to get uh quick and accurate information also i mean support during for example the puerto rico experience a couple years ago a hurricane uh later we we were experiencing i mean earthquakes now with the pandemic uh, issue so we've been able as a community uh working together to i mean keep the, the operation going and offering the, this the same i mean good service that, that we've been offering and i'd just like to jump right. in and, and say that i i really appreciate uh what our staff are doing in puerto rico we are still shipping seed we are still harvesting uh the last bits of uh, the second generation uh this winter and getting it back to uh foundation seed organizations as well as plant breeders and um throughout the uh, covid 19 situation uh puerto rico has in, been on a pretty tight lockdown and 
our folks have been uh, working with split crew. Um, so we've got one crew in there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another crew Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and um, we've been making it happen. And I'm really proud of the work that they are doing. And I really appreciate uh, all of their efforts. Perfect. Well, thank you so much to you both. Um, thank you so much to everyone. That's all the time we have today. Um, I'd like to just extend the biggest thank you to Doug and Lizandro for joining us today and for the Illinois Crop Improvement Association for making this webinar possible. But I'd also like to give a big thank you to everyone who participated in our audience. We loved your questions and we just hope you have a wonderful day and we hope you've had you've found this information of value. Again, a recording of this webinar is going to be made available later today at seedworld.com. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. And um, thank you so much. We hope you have a wonderful day. This is Alex Martin of Seed World signing off. Bye-bye.